is authentic community. Uh, one is spiritual development. We always need to be taking another step toward Jesus. Uh, and the third we've talked about on a couple different occasions is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send another comforter. I will send someone who will not just be with you in person, but in spirit. Which means when you accept Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit of God resides within you. So you can't get away from him whether you're in the mountaintop or the valley, 24-7, the Holy Spirit is there to help you. And what a blessed comfort that is and a blessed hope that we have in that relationship with God's Holy Spirit. It's kind of the in-between. Think of it this way. We have the cross. We look back at the cross. That's where our salvation was obtained through the blood of Jesus. Amen? And we're looking forward to heaven. Man, we celebrated uh, Doyle's home going to heaven. We've celebrated Leanna's. We celebrated uh, Vicky's. There's been many of our church family who are now in heaven. They've completed their, their race. So there's the cross and there's the heaven, but there's this in-between spot that we're in right now. And that's why I've entitled this message, Between the Cross and Heaven. And I want you to know between the cross and heaven, we are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 8 uh, this morning. Uh, we want to be led of the Holy Spirit. We want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. I believe that. Uh, today, I want to help us a little bit by talking about the Holy Spirit's ministry in our life and how you and I can better understand his purpose how we can recognize more clearly his handiwork and how we can learn to yield more consistently to his leadership. And we're going to look at a few verses in Romans 8, beginning with verse 22. You know, there are a few chapters of the Bible that are considered especially great. <laughs> I mean, they're especially noteworthy. One would be Psalm 23. We know it as the shepherd's psalm. Another one is Hebrews 11. Wow, all the great heroes of faith. Uh, most of us know uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is called the love chapter. Uh, Romans 8 is one of those special chapters of the Bible. It's like a manifesto for spiritual, victorious living. And it does give us some insight into the how Holy Spirit empowers us. Not for what was or what will be, but for the now. The Holy Spirit's with us right now. So we're going to examine this great chapter. We're going to look at six verses here, beginning with verse number 22, that focus on the Holy Spirit's empowerment, his enablement. It's a value we have. And there's three characteristics of the Holy Spirit's ministry to God's people that we need to understand. But first, let's read Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. 
For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance to the perfect will of God. Three things here I want you to note. First of all, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of the things to come. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. We're between the cross and the heaven. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of what is to come. I love this term, first fruits. The Holy Spirit has been given to us as first fruit. So what does that mean? I went back and looked historically, culturally, and in the day that the Bible was written, this was really an agricultural term, an agricultural term that referred to the representation of a bundle of grain that would be presented to a potential buyer as the evidence of the quality of the harvest. Think about that. So you've got grain, you want to sell it, you take the first fruits that represent the entire harvest, you take it to the potential buyer, and you say, here, you can examine the first fruits. It is an exact representation of what is to come. It's a sample crop. You can expect the rest to be as good as this is. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is our first glimpse into our future. God's got a wonderful future planned for all of us. And as a first fruit, as a guarantee of what is to come, he has given us his Holy Spirit. And of all the things that we experience through the Holy Spirit, things like love, joy, peace, patience, those are all called the fruit of the Spirit in our life, kindness, gentleness, and so on. Those are simply an early glimpse of what is to come, what eternal life will be like. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is our first glimpse into the future that God has for his people. In the book of Numbers, back in the Old Testament, as the people of Israel were preparing to uh, take possession of the promised land, Moses sent some leaders from each of the 12 tribes into the land of Canaan to explore the territory. You remember the story. Then they were going to come back and report what they had found. When they had reached the valley of Eskol, they gathered grapes, uh, pomegranates, figs, things that they took back to show to Moses and the whole community. And the message was this. Here's an example of the kind of fruit that grows in the promised land. Now compare that to what we currently have. <laughs> this is the fruit. You don't need to despair. This is the fruit we look forward to. Well, we all want a better life. We all want to spend eternity with Jesus. And as a guarantee of that, we've been given the first fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
See, in the same way the Holy Spirit gives us just a little bit of glimpse into what our eternal life's going to be like. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm so glad for the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the peace of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I want to embrace that now, but it also gives me the confidence of what is yet to come. And life on this earth is far from perfect. We understand that. But man, with the Holy Spirit, you can have joy, you can have peace, you can have power, you can have freedom and contentment that starts here, but will go through all of eternity. That old song we used to sing back in the 60s, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. It's the same concept. The Holy Spirit is a foretaste. It's the first fruits. Man, sometimes I know you can be perhaps in a, a garden setting or a mountain setting or on the beach and everything just seems almost perfect. And you think, ah, it's paradise. I thought, you know, that's just a little glimpse, a momentary glimpse into the kind of joy that's coming your way. The first fruit. Let me give you another scriptural example. You can look it up. It's Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 13 and 14, this is what the Word of God says. You were also in Christ included when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So we heard the message, the gospel, we're saved, so we're included here. And when we believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. What is the seal of our salvation? It's the Holy Spirit. And then verse 14 says, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise and glory of God. What a wonderful, comforting scripture for us to know we've been given a glimpse into what we will have if we keep our faith in Jesus. Don't be distracted by all the storms around you. Don't be distracted by all the voices around you. Keep anchored in Jesus. Depend on the Holy Spirit, on his joy, on his peace, on his enablement. Because it's a first fruit, a foretaste of what God has planned for you. And I really believe that means that every pleasant moment you experience, <laughs> moments of fellowship, Moments of contentment, moments of joy or power or beauty or whether it's a good meal or a good night's sleep or whatever. Experience those things as a gift from God. Give God glory for the momentary glimpse into what is yet to come. Between the cross and heaven, we have the Holy Spirit. And number two, the Holy Spirit, according to Romans 8, is our guide. G-U-I-D-E, our guide through the challenges of daily living. It's challenging to navigate through the American culture in 2021. You know, now, we, most of us have GPSs of some kind, either on our phone or in our car, that help us when we get into a big city we're, we're unfamiliar with. Helps us to navigate. It guides us. 
not nearly as reliable as the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guide through those relational challenges, through those challenges where you're dealing with disappointment and pain or maybe pride and greed. I don't know what your challenges are, but I want you to know God has given you the Holy Spirit to guide you through those challenges of daily living. I'm talking about the mundane things, not just the big decisions of life. Your daily living. Look what verse 23 says. We wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And it says, mean, meanwhile, we groan inwardly with all of creation right up to the present time. Paul's saying, I understand life's not easy. Wasn't easy for him. He was in prison. He was oppressed by the government. All sorts of challenges he went through. He understood the challenges of daily life. And he's saying, hey, even though it's not easy, we can look forward to the future of eternal happiness in the presence of Jesus. Even though in the meantime, we do groan. We do suffer. We do struggle. Paul talked about it earlier in Romans chapter 7, where he keeps on losing his own battle to selfishness and to sin. And he concludes, hey, my hope of victory comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not from my ability to say no, but through the enablement, the power of the Holy Spirit. He gives us strength, friends, and he'll give you strength this week. No matter what the situation is, he'll give you strength to thrive in the ugly here and now. I believe that. The Holy Spirit's not merely described as a guarantee or a deposit for our inheritance. He's described as a guide, a counselor, a teacher. Listen to what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. I will ask the Father, and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. John 14, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. I was in a situation recently, I just didn't know how to respond. I knew how I wanted to respond, <laughs> you know, out of my own emotions and my own selfishness. But I thought, no, I'm not sure how I should respond. And I just took a moment and said, Spirit, will you show me what Jesus wants me to do right now? Will you show me so that I can act according to your perfect will? John 16, 13 says, when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Friends, I, I don't know if you fully grasp how wonderful this gift of the Holy Spirit is. You'd be more lively. You'd be more responsive this morning. No, I'm, the Holy Spirit counsels us. He teaches us. He comforts us. He guides us. He empowers us. He equips us. The Holy Spirit gives us a gift that each one of us can use every single day of our life. It's the guarantee of what's to come. It's what's between the cross and heaven. Without the Holy Spirit's help, without his work in our lives, we would be just like Paul in Romans 7, 
who said, oh, what a wretched man I am. And I know when I feel like I'm a wretched man and I'm torn, it's because I haven't acknowledged and opened up my heart and life to the Holy Spirit. Because when you've got the power of the Holy Spirit, that wretched man mentality is eradicated by the love and the comfort and the counsel of God's Spirit. Romans 7, chapter 25, uh, Romans 7, verse 25. Thanks be to God, Paul writes, through Jesus Christ our Lord, because through Jesus Christ the law of the Spirit of life set me free. <laughs> Hallelujah, we're free from the law of sin and death. You can't navigate this life on your own with any hope of lasting victory. Oh, you might be able to get up enough willpower to resist a temptation or have a minor victory, but it's only temporary. If you want lasting victory in this life, you need to rely upon the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about that kind of victory that fills your life with joy and contentment and hope. Even when things don't go your way. Even when your prayers aren't answered the way that you had hoped that they would be answered. Even when you're going through difficult times, you can still have joy and contentment. That's true freedom. That is true freedom. The kind of freedom, the kind of victory that will bounce back from defeat, that will sustain us through difficult times. You'll never have it on your own. It's through the enablement of the Holy Spirit. And I just encourage you, friends, let the Holy Spirit take control of your life. He'll lead you into the truth that you need to know. He'll surround you with the people you need to meet. He'll give you the gifts that you need to serve him. He'll fill you with power to overcome. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. The third thing I want to share out of Romans 8 this morning is the Holy Spirit is our go-between. He's our go-between when you're not sure what to say or what to do. Kind of the same concept of a guide, but a little different. A go-between. I think that's really what Paul is saying in verse 26. He says, in the same way the Spirit helps me in my weakness. I don't know how I should pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for me. That's a wonderful thought. He's our go-between. When I don't know what to do, I can go to the Holy Spirit. He's my go-between. Verse 27 says he goes on to say that the Spirit intercedes in accordance with the will of God. I look back and I think of all the crazy things I've prayed for over my life. You know, funny stuff. It's like little kids. You know, funny, nonsensical, illogical things. You know, a little kid wants ice cream at every meal. You know, wants to hold their goldfish when they go to bed at night. You know, I mean, those are silly, nonsensical things. And the same thing can be said of some of my prayers. And probably, if you're honest, some of your prayers too. Because we really don't know what we're praying for. <laughs> we think we do. We think we know what's best for us. But only your creator, only God who's fulfilling his purpose in your life, really knows what's best. 
He might lead you through the flood. He might lead you through the fire. But God will lead his dear children along through the blood of Jesus, through our dependency upon the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we pray these big, bold prayers of faith, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. But we're praying without really knowing what we need. I know that many of you can relate to that country song that says, I thank God for unanswered prayers. How many times we prayed for something and it hasn't happened. We've been disappointed, but six months down the line or two years down the line, we look back and we say, oh, thank you, God, for your grace and not answering that prayer. Because we really don't know what we need any more than a four-year-old knows what he needs for an evening meal. And it's not ice cream. When we ask for small and silly things, <laughs> the Holy Spirit understands. God understands. He takes our words. He edits them. He translates them according to the will of God. He's my go-between. He's like my translator. I say, Holy Spirit, this is really what I'd like, but will you take this and will you edit it? <laughs> because you really know what's best for me. He intercedes for us. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, when we don't know how to pray, he'll give us that prayer language. When we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we have that ability to speak in another tongue, a tongue that is just our spirit speaking to God's spirit in the perfect will of the Father. That's why Jesus told his followers, and he tells us, man, I am going to bless you with the promised Holy Spirit. I want you to notice a couple of key words that Jesus uses to describe the Holy Spirit. First of all, he called the Holy Spirit paraclete. That's not an English word. Uh, paraclete means advocate. It actually has a sevenfold meaning. Uh, but for the purpose of our teaching this morning, I'm going I'm to use the term advocate. Sometimes you need an advocate. Almost like a lawyer in court. Sometimes it's an advocate. I, no, I've had the opportunity to be in, in many uh, countries outside of the U.S. It's always good to have someone who lives in the country, who understands the culture, to be your advocate. Because you can get yourself in a lot of trouble otherwise. You need someone that knows the territory. An advocate. A lawyer. That's how the word was used in ancient Greece. It means counselor. You know, it also means consoler. Or comforter, or teacher, or guide, or helper. Those are what I would call the functions of the Holy Spirit. But the second key word that Jesus uses, not paraclete, but he says another paraclete. Another. We skip over that word sometimes. John 14, 16. I will ask the Father, Jesus is praying for us, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, another go-between, another advocate to be with you forever. Hallelujah. Another advocate, another guide. That word another means someone who is just like Jesus in my life. 
everything Jesus wants to do in my life, he really does through the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Holy Spirit in my life always leads me to a closer relationship with God. See, God's goal in this entire process is what? Romans 8.28, 8.29. That through all things, we will be conformed in the image of Jesus Christ. That's a really a wonderful thought. That Holy Spirit will always draw us closer to Jesus. Always. They're not in competition. Always help us to hear from the Father. It's like the Holy Spirit's work is almost done in the background. That's why sometimes you don't hear a lot about the Holy Spirit. Hear about God creating us, God loving us. You hear about Jesus coming and, you know, going to the cross, paying uh, the price for our sins. But the Holy Spirit was there the whole time. The Holy Spirit's work is done in the background, so to speak, behind the scenes. Why? So that Jesus Christ can take front and center. It's not about the Holy Spirit. It's about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit always points us to Jesus. You never live, or we never should live, to glorify the Holy Spirit. That is, one of our values is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But it's not to glorify the Holy Spirit. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that we can glorify Jesus. And we can't do that without the Holy Spirit's help. That's why Paul begins the passage that we read earlier about all of creation, including God's people, groaning for our future redemption. (laughs) This world is not all there is, friends. Aren't you glad? This world is not all there is. We have heaven to look forward to. And in the meantime, until we cross over into the presence of God, like so many of our church family have this past spring, until that time, he said, I'll give you the Holy Spirit as my guarantee of all that I've promised for you. Between the cross and heaven, is the Holy Spirit. There's an old Southern Gospel song that I'm sure Dennis could probably sing to us. But I've heard him sing, so I'm not going to have him do that. (laughs) It's a signature sound, I think. It says, between the cross and heaven, there's a whole lot of living going on. Between the cross and heaven, there's a whole lot of living going on. Friends, I want you to enjoy life. God has come to bring us abundant life. We should be enjoying the life we have here on earth. Between the cross and heaven, there's a whole lot of living going on. And that's where we are right now. We're in the whole lot of living stage. Yes, I know the world may be fallen. I understand the cultural... uh, challenges that we face. I understand that we're doomed for destruction, the earth itself. But while we're here, God has promised an abundant life, a whole lot of living, victory over sin, joy and peace, contentment, blessings. They're ours right now because of the blessed Holy Spirit. 
That's why when Anchi First Assembly values the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, this life of victory that I'm talking about this morning is made possible through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, who is our glimpse into what's to come. He's your counselor, he's your advocate, he's your friend, he's your guide, he's your go-between. He is another paraclete. He is our intercessor. And as our worship team comes and joins us this morning, I just want you to bow your head for a moment. I, I just want you to respond to what the Lord perhaps has stirred in your heart. Maybe you've been trying to live a victorious Christian life on your own and, and you keep on falling and you're discouraged today. Maybe this message was for you. Maybe you're just discouraged about the conditions of the world or the conditions of your family. And today the Holy Spirit has encouraged you that there's a whole lot of living going on right now. Maybe you feel all alone. You're abandoned. And this morning's message has given you hope that between the cross and the heaven, the Holy Spirit is here to help you. I just want you for a moment to yield to the Holy Spirit, to allow him to fill you with his presence. Maybe if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do that today. Yield. Just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for the things that I have done out of the will of the Father. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Guide me. Maybe the Holy Spirit is nudging you to forgive someone. Maybe you didn't realize that the Holy Spirit is available to help you make that big decision. You, you need to make the decision to sign the papers on that house or that business. And you've been kind of wondering what you should do. Just take a moment. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Ask him for his leadership and his guidance and his counsel. Maybe you need his comfort. Maybe you've lost a loved one. Grief is so difficult. But God's with you. And the Holy Spirit's there to comfort. Whatever you lack this morning, I just want you to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit to provide it. Father, thank you that when sin separated us from our relationship with you, you sent Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, you willingly came and you took our sin and you went to the cross and you provided salvation. And thank you, Jesus, that when you ascended back to heaven, you gave us the Holy Spirit to equip and enable us. We receive him into our life. We pray we'll be more sensitive to the Spirit, that we'll be obedient to the Spirit, 
knowing that Spirit will always help us to glorify Jesus and to bring honor to the Father. May we not just be a church who values the enablement of the Holy Spirit. I pray we'll be a people, individual people, who will embrace the value of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. We thank you, between the cross and heaven, that we have this wonderful advocate. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit does the work, but he will never do it apart from us. He's a gentleman. Same way with your prayer language. If you feel like, man, I just need to intercede and God's given me this word and it sounds like it's gibberish and, you know, I, I don't know about this tongue thing. Man, don't be afraid of that. The Holy Spirit is interceding through you, but he won't do it apart from you. The Holy Spirit will not violate your free will. There's no one that's going to speak in tongues that doesn't want to speak in tongues. Because the Holy Spirit just generally does not operate that way in our life. I know there's times like Saul on the way to Damascus, the Holy Spirit just, this is the way it is, and blinded him. And it was a, and there are those miraculous kind of things. But I'm talking about general biblical principles here. The Holy Spirit offers help. Now, what does help mean? Together with and instead of. The Holy Spirit wants to speak through my lips in a language directly to God, but he wants to do it through me with my cooperation. Okay, third thing, third principle. The Holy Spirit stands with us in prayer. Man, that's wonderful. He, the Holy Spirit, will express the will of God through our prayers. Groanings, too deep for words, or maybe uh, some kind of insightful English or Spanish or German or whatever your native tongue might be. But there's this standing with us. He's not going to abandon us. There's a partnership. A partnership. And when God, the Holy Spirit, in the human spirit, enables you to pray in a prayer language, oh man, it's that standing with you. That word groaning is like the word that's used in the pains of childbirth. Maybe you have heard that. You know, if you look at verse 22 of, of that same chapter, Romans chapter 8, you'll see how all of creation, the Bible says, groans and travails in pain, waiting for the second coming of Christ. And just as a woman travails in pain, giving birth to a child, that's the same idea, the Holy Spirit travailing, making deep intercession for those things that he cares so deeply about. Maybe those hurts, those wounds, the consequences of our sin, the pleas and intercessions. Sometimes it's just wonderful to say, God, you know how to say this best. Holy Spirit, just give me that language to pray through. Spirit empowerment 
will help us to be better prayer warriors, better intercessors through groans, through our prayer language, through insight and discernment. And it's then that the Holy Spirit begins to move in our heart. And it's then when we have that assurance, the Holy Spirit is standing with us. He, the Spirit, prays for us instead of us, together with us. Just like a lady giving birth. Think of the prayer of Jesus, the Garden of Gethsemane. He prayed to the point that his sweat actually burst blood vessels and he began to sweat drops of blood, the Bible says. The agony transfixed, yet the Spirit standing with him promised by hope. And I just encourage all of us, whether you're watching online today or whether you're here in the auditorium or watching this service later on this week, let the Holy Spirit empower you in your prayer life. Let the Holy Spirit promise, uh, empower you in your prayer life. It's a promise for you. Acts 2.39 says the promise of spirit empowerment is for you and your children and for all those who are far off. And we're far off from the day of Pentecost, from Acts 2. But we're still included because it says, for all whom God has called. Man, there's no record of believers tearing or seeking the gift of the Holy Spirit after the initial outpouring at Pentecost. We know that they were waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But once that outpouring happened, there's no other biblical record of people having to wait because it's been given. <laughs> I mean, people are under the impression that waiting is still part of seeking, really need the understanding. It's not a matter of asking God to do something for you because he's already done it. It's a matter of releasing your faith and accepting the gift that God has given you. The empowerment of the Spirit today specifically for your prayer life. Will you bow in a word of prayer? And I just encourage you in these final moments that we have together, first of all, just to thank God for, for your salvation. Thank him for taking you from the kingdom of darkness and inviting you into the kingdom of light, making you an heir of the father and co-heir of the son, making you as a believer part of God's family. But I'd also just invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to rise up within you. He's already there. If you've asked Jesus in your heart, you have the Holy Spirit in you. So just release your faith this morning and ask him to rise up within you. Just command every doubt and fear to be removed. Lord, I just pray there's a spirit of faith in this place that will be granted to every person that's taking a moment here to pray to allow your spirit 
to pray through them. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, I just encourage you to receive that gift. As you begin to pray about a burden you've been caring, release it to the Holy Spirit. He might even give you that prayer language. Trust him. Trust him enough to take that step of faith if he is. Lord, we need you and we need the Holy Spirit who is your gift to us, the paraclete, the one called alongside to help, the one who empowers us to live a victorious Christian life the one who will stir us to pray, the one who will strengthen us to pray, and the one who will stand by us as we pray. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in my heart, in my life today. Jesus, Jesus, praise your name.